negativity is not going to lead you anywhere. And there's always going to be a little positive out of anything. And you have a little golden nugget, I like to call it, that you, know, you can use to take forward. Every experience, it can be beneficial, whether it was negative or positive. Any experience you have is just more tools in your tool belt that you can use for previous things, right? So if you got out of a bad relationship, right? You can use that, okay, now I know what not to do in the future, right? Uh, if you fail the test, you can use that to, all right, how am I gonna study for my test? If you do really bad, you know, in work, um, okay, well, I can use that either in the same job or if I'm getting a new job, all little experiences. I think the best bit of advice I can give is, you know, do as much as you can because that's how you become successful. You're experiencing yourself with a lot of different things, and that's going to give you the skill base and past knowledge on how to tackle new situations. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thanks for listening and don't forget to forward to your friends so they can get this great knowledge as well. Today, we've got a great show. We've got Joe Norwell on the line, CWP VP, DePaul grad, and standout all his life. Joe says excellence is having skills and striving. It's about quantity and quality. As you add to your resume, make sure you're standing out. He's going to talk about commitment to commitments and focusing on the positive because much of life is a mental battle. He's going to talk about how he focused on the positive. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Joe Norwell, long time no talk. I think it's been exactly 23 hours. Welcome to the show and thank you for making time out of your busy day. We're going to start off the way we always start off. Joe, what is your definition of excellence? Matt, my definition of excellence to me is just having the skills and striving to be whatever you want to do in your future. For example, excellence can be in your personal life. It can be in your professional life. It can be in your education. To me, it comes down to whatever you want those combination of things to be in your future. As long as you are fulfilling that, that is excellence to me. It doesn't matter if it's money. It doesn't matter if it's uh, how high your education is. If you are feel fulfillment in what you're doing, that is my definition of excellence. Having the skills and striving to do what you want in the future. I mean, that's a loose. I was thinking about my harmonica because I got this harmonica sitting here and I have a desire to be the greatest harmonica player of all time. And I reached out to the singer for blues travelers to have him give me harmonica lessons because he's got a phd in harmonica uh, my letter came back undelivered so i don't have the skills and i've only taken two harmonica lessons so i don't have the skills and i'm not striving so then i think about okay mountain biking got the skills and i do it a lot and i want to be alive so i think that's an interesting definition joe skills and striving to do, but you don't have to be good. I guess you have to be good if you've got the skills. So you've combined all of it. 
Yeah, I, I, I think it really comes down to Matt. Like whatever you want to do, like I believe anyone can set what their minds to do what they want to. Sure, people some maybe are more naturally gifted or something, but if you dedicate your time to your craft, whether that be working out, whether that be, um, you know, I'm really into woodworking and carpentry. I was never good at that before. I don't feel like I have a natural gift for it, but it's something that I found a passion in. And that's why I kind of self-taught. Um, and I feel, you know, with now today's day in technology, anyone can be doing that and anyone can learn anything that they want to. Okay. So you may not have the skills and you're striving. You're not excellent. You may have the skills and you're not striving. You're not excellent because you need the 10,000 hours to become an expert. You need to get really, really good, which is the skills. And you need to be constantly practicing. So I think about you. I know I owe you some cookies from my wife. I've got it in my calendar to mail you cookies. She when she started her business, she was a damn good chef, but she's gotten so much better because she's put so many hours into it and she wants to have this awesome business. So I like your definition So we're going to go back in time and talk about where you're at in high school. We're going to dig into your job now. We're going to dig into some warnings and some ideas you have that apply to people in their 20s that uh, might help them through whatever job or internship they're doing. But before we get into that depth, let's talk about what life was like at Carl Sandburg High School in Orland Park, Illinois. Shout out to the Chicagoland uh, before you went to DePaul. And I know you love DePaul. I know actually everybody that goes to DePaul loves DePaul because the DePaul students are always telling me how great DePaul is. What was life like before you got to DePaul, before you became a vice president of a company? What were you doing to get ahead? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I guess just really quick pre-Sandberg, um, I grown up, I played a ton of sports. Uh, I played football, basketball, volleyball is my main sport. Going into high school, I had to, um, I knew I wanted to be think, involved in as many things as I could. Um, I realized I wasn't the best athlete. So, you know, that was a hard decision for me to make. So, you know, I decided, you know, specifically my freshman year, I wanted to get involved in other things that I wanted to. So, uh, I was involved in debate. I did that all four years. I was part of student council. Um, I continued. Uh, I was an Eagle Scout by the end of my high school career. So I was involved in scouting my entire life. I had a couple of jobs throughout the summer. I mean, I wouldn't say it was anything out of the ordinary. I was just a really involved kid. I got good grades in school um, and worked when I could uh, just as much as anyone else. So involved in as many things as you could, doing things you're passionate about, deciding, hey, I want to stand out. I want to be excellent. Maybe basketball and volleyball and football aren't the things I'm going to stand out in. You know, you're, you're not six foot eight, 350 pounds. So football's a little rough. You're not six foot eight. So uh, volleyball and basketball is a little rough. You're not going to be a professional uh, basketball player you know, at 5'10 or whatever you are. So you made a conscious decision. I need to be involved in as many things as possible. I need to get good at these things and stand out. And then I need to work. And if you're listening at 1.5 speed in your car right now, and you are happen to be in high school, I guess we've got a high school audience. It's important to be involved in as many things as you can to stand out to get in college. If you're in college right now and you're listening, it's important to do well in school but get experience before you get out of school because it's going to be really hard to go through the interview process if you don't have some work experience. So how did you know that you needed to do a bunch of things to stand out in high school to get into college? And how did you know in college you needed to get some experience to stand out out of college? Well, 
in starting specifically in high school, um, I mean, high school is pretty simple. They tell you get good grades, get involved, and the rest should take care of itself. So for me, uh, I really wanted to, my freshman, sophomore year of high school, I tried to get involved in a bunch of different things. But by the time I became an upperclassman my junior and senior year, I realized you don't have to do 15 different clubs. So there is a combination of you have to have quality and quantity. So as opposed to being involved in 10 or 15 different clubs, which I was early in my high school career, you know, I, I focused it on, I did a lot of, uh, I did theater, I did debate, um, focused on my, my scouting career, focused on, um, you know, being on executive boards for, you know, student council. So as opposed to having 15 different things on my resume, I was able to have four or five, which was still a lot, but I was on the executive board or in a leadership position for a lot of them. That to me is what I found very valuable and actually, you know, honed in my skill and craft um, for those specific organizations I was a part of. As in, you know, transitioning into college, I mean, I just remember stepping on campus, Matt, and realizing I was, I was way in over my head. I thought I had everything figured out in high school as a good student, really involved. I'm like, I'm well on my way to be successful. But then I realized, you know, I, I stepped on the campus of 25,000 students at DePaul, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of other freshmen in college or sophomores are experiencing that. If you go to a Big Ten university, whether you have 50,000 kids or 1,000 kids at your school, everyone's going to be fighting for the same jobs. Everyone wants to be successful. I knew I wanted it that bad. So that's why I was like, I need to get started early, you know, and specifically within my professional experience, because your education is only going to take you so far. So quality and quantity, not quantity, quality and quantity. So if you, I, I do coaching for uh, high school kids to get into college. And one of the kids is like, I've been in 15 clubs, but I've never been to any of the meetings. That's quantity without quality. You got to go to the meetings. You got to be in the leadership when you're applying. You've got to have, you know, I was the, my son was the founder of the cooking club on his campus. You've got to show that your quality, you're actually putting some energy in. And, you know, you talked about the Eagle Scout. We used to have a college works, a rule that if you're an Eagle Scout, a black belt, a manager of your job when you were young, that made you an awesome candidate. Didn't get you the job necessarily, but it gave you a lot of uh, it gave you a lot of advantage over other people. And my daughter, she's got a black belt. Uh, my daughter's got a band. So it's not that she's just a singer. It's she's performing on stage. She's got an audience. You can download her music on SoundCloud. I remember when she got her black belt every day, six days a week, not every day, six days a week. She's at karate Saturdays at 6 a.m. She's at karate. She was the first one in last one out. Youngest person to get a black belt. That stuff stands out on a resume getting into college. It stands out on a resume out of college. It's showing that you were a leader. So you showed you were a leader in scouting and getting an Eagle Scout isn't easy. A lot of people drop out, but when you've got it, and if you're in scouts, stick it out. When you got it, people know, okay, that person did extra. You know, you go work a job. Everybody should work a job. It's where you learn how to communicate. If you move to management, they know, hey, that person put a lot of effort in. If you're in sports, all state. So you... I love how they told you in high school. They tell everybody in high school and the rest falls together, but people don't do it. They tell you in college, get an internship, go out there and get some work experience, but people don't do it. They tell you out of college, hey, you need to show up first, leave last, make a mark on your job, 
but people don't do it. So where'd you get the drive? You, everybody's got the information. Where where did you, or more importantly, how can the listener in the car right now listen to this on 1.5 speed? Even though I'm talking fast today, listening on 1.5 speed, find that drive. Man, it's just kind of something I've always I've always wanted. Um, I mean, growing up, um, you know, I owe everything to my parents. Uh, I mean, just to give you a little context. So my entire family is adopted. I have an older brother and sister. We're all adopted from different families. You know, my my mom, she was uh, a little bit older in terms of like adopting age, right, than a typical parent would have a kid. So you know, it was hard for her on my dad. You know, being trying to still be involved with everything and. I just saw everything that they did for me to give me a chance to, you know, give the life they wanted. Right. I mean, they, every practice, every scouting event, every, um, you know, schooling events, parent teacher conference, they were there for me every time. And, you know, I, I thought from a young age, I knew that, okay, like they've given me a platform to not have to worry about all things. You know, I didn't have a great life growing up where, you know, I didn't have, wasn't in like a big house or anything. You know, I had a comfortable life growing up, but so because of that, I wanted to use what they did and their hard work for, and take advantage of that. Right. So, you know, in terms of, so because of that, I worked really, really hard. I wanted to pay it back to them and prove to them that, you know, their investment in me was worth it. And that's really where my drive for success comes from. Um, and I think the last thing is, is like, you know, whether your goals are financially based, independent based or personal goal, I knew I wanted to be successful so I can provide for others financially. So I can, you know, be able to do the things in my life that I need to, um, you know, to have that sense of security, both financially, personally, and, you know, in my career. There's a lot packed in there. So let's back it up a little bit. First of all, commitment to commitment, right? It's one thing to say, I want to be X or I want to do Y. It's another thing to wake up early in the morning and go to practice. My daughter leaves for school before I wake up most days, which I feel really weird about because I never had that experience as a kid, but she's out the door at 6.15 in the morning almost every day because she's committed to her commitment. She knows she's not going to be a professional water ball player. She knows she's not going to be a college water ball player. She didn't even really know how to swim until, until ninth grade, but she's committed to the team. She's committed to her excellence. She's committed to herself. Not everyone is committed to their commitment. Not everyone, you know, here's what you heard Joe and says, okay, I'm going to go execute. So that's the first step. Second thing you're talking about gratitude. And what a great way to lead your life. And yes, you have told me about those wonderful parents of yours. What wonderful people adopting all these different kids, putting together this family where their kids just have just a wonderful life and a wonderful example. And you've told me many times because you've got gratitude and the gratitude is deep down and, and you can find gratitude. If you're listening right now, you can think of something every day to be thankful for. You can call your mom, your dad, that mentor and thank them. You can send a letter, but when you have gratitude, it lifts your heart and gets you closer to your goals. And then finally, you're a positive dude. You could be a negative dude. You could be grumpy. You could be pissed off. You could be focused on the negative. And there's a skill set to looking for the good. So for example, what went well today? Think about what, well, you're in, you're in your car right now. Don't take notes. You're not in your car. Take notes. Here's four questions to ask yourself every day. What went well today? Who did something nice for you today? Who do you want to emulate based on their behavior today? And then I always wake up every morning and think three positive focuses. When I don't, I'm an angry man. 
When I do, I'm a positive man. I think three positive focuses about my wife every day. So I come out smiling and I'm not, you know, a horrible husband. So there's three, four things you can do to become like Joe, to become positive. Joe's always positive. And it, it takes a, it ta it's a skill set that you developed. So when did you decide to be positive? And did you do any of that stuff I was just talking about? Or do you have a different plan? No, I think that's, I, I, I've grown into that matter over the past couple of years. You know, I would say I like to think of myself as a positive person, but I think about that, you know, specifically in my time in college, I can think of a couple of different scenarios I can think about. So, I mean, uh, I can think about my time in college as well as working, you know, obviously here at College Works. There's just, there's nothing that could, no good comes out of negativity. And obviously, you know, I can give you a couple examples if, you know, you want to, but I think the biggest thing is, negativity is not going to lead you anywhere. And there's always going to be a little positive out of anything. And you have a little golden nugget, I like to call it, that you, know, you can use to take forward. Every experience, it can be beneficial, whether it was negative or positive. Any experience you have is just more tools in your tool belt that you can use for previous things, right? So if you got out of a bad relationship, right, you can use that, okay, now I know what not to do in the future, right? Uh, if you fail the test, you can use that to, all right, how am I going to study for my test? If you do really bad, you know, and work. Um, okay, well, I can use that either in the same job or if I'm getting a new job. All little experiences. I think the best bit of advice I can give is, you know, do as much as you can because that's how you become successful. You you experience yourself with a lot of different things, and that's going to give you the skill base and past knowledge on how to tackle new situations. So you made a decision. You weren't as positive as you are now. You made a decision that that's not helping you. If you're listening right now and you're related to me, especially, and your dad keeps telling you, you need to look for the good in things. That's the decision that Joe made. He decided to be positive. You must've seen something going on. The negativity is not working for me. So there's first the decision, then the action. And that's the key. What you just said, no matter what horrible happened to you today, there is something that you can focus on. That's good something. Now there's certain things that are just so bad. It might be hard. And I'm not going to talk about what those would be, but I, I'll give you one. When my grandfather passed away, one of the worst days of my life, it was the day I graduated from, from high school, the day of my high school graduation party. I mean, that's pretty damn bad, but there was good that came out of it. I got closer to my mom. I got closer to my aunt. I got closer to my wonderful cousin, Daniel. I flew to England. I was able to support the family. I was able to be strong. I figured out I was strong in that. So even the worst thing that you can think of that happens to you, you can find the good. And if you do, it helps you get through it. So you decided to become an excellent person in high school. You decided to strive for more. You decided quality and quantity. You decided it's skills and striving. And then you decided you weren't there yet. I'm going to be positive and you decide consciously to find the good. Something bad goes on at work. What can I learn about it? Something bad goes on in your relationship. What can I learn? Something bad goes on in the world around you. What can I take away? That's good. And it's a decision followed by action. Well, that's cool. Well, you mentioned college works and uh, you still work here. One of the very few people that's been on this show that still works at College Works. So we're going to take a little pause for those of you that are in College Works. We got, we're going to give you some tips. If you're not, I know most people aren't. You can use these tips for other jobs, other internships, other challenges. So you go to DePaul, 
you decide you're going to do the college works gig. Why'd you decide to do the college works gig? Uh, it was very simple. I was a freshman in college. I was a finance major and college works just gave me the platform to work as hard as I could and get as many skills. I, I didn't care about the money as much. I mean, I made good money for what I did, but the biggest thing was like, I was, you know, thrown into a management position and I was given the skills and the tools on how to do it. They didn't do it for you. You know, my district manager didn't do it for me. And uh, the training I got, you know, it was all done by you go in the field and just learn. You know, you can sit, you can watch a video on how to do something. You can have somebody talk about how to do something. But the best way to gain experience is actually going out and doing it. Uh, I'm just going to correct you. You were not given the skills. You were given the opportunity to develop the skills. If you're at College Works, if you're at Vector Marketing, if you're in Alaska on a fishing boat, if you're working at a pizza joint, you have the opportunity to look for the good or not. You have the opportunity to do more or not. So you were given the same opportunity as everybody else. You did better than I think everybody else, not because someone spoon fed you the skills. That never happens. It's because you grabbed them. You took the most out of your opportunity. So you're in this mindset of I'm going to be positive. Well, you weren't in that mindset yet. That came a couple of years later, but you're in the mindset of excellence. You understand that people are telling you to get some experience and you took a chance. I'm going to dive in the deep end. Hopefully I can swim. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. What was the biggest challenge for you? And maybe starting off to get the confidence that you could do it. And then later on, when whatever went bad, what was the biggest challenge for you? How'd you overcome it? And how would that relate to somebody that maybe doesn't do the college works thing that lives in California and can't do the college works thing? I think the biggest challenge for me was honestly the the mental battle, right? So specifically when I got into college, I, I did the internship in the spring of 2017. So, you know, going into college my fall semester of 2016, I really enjoyed having all that free time. You know, coming from high school, I had a bunch of free, you know, I was really, really busy. Going to college, I had a bunch of free time. And then as this internship started, I realized, okay, I need to make a decision on, you know, how am I going to time manage? And so to me, the biggest challenge I had over face was being able to, you know, time manage myself and dedicate things to every single area, right? Um, you know, I couldn't go to that party on a Friday night. Okay. But that was for my business. I could see that for my future. Um, I think that was the biggest challenge that I had overcome. And I think, you know, for anyone that doesn't, you know, if you do this program or don't do this program, it's, there's always a good reason not to do something. You know, you can, I, I hear it all the time. Hey, when this happens, you know, I'll go get that new job. When this happens, you know, I'll go buy this house or do this investment, become an entrepreneur. 
whatever you want to do in your career, you sometimes just have to make a decision and go and try it. If you fail, okay, you're going to learn from it. But to me, that's the biggest thing I've seen, you know, specifically for me when I was doing this program, but also in my time working with interns here at CollegeWorks and even some of my friends and, you know, my, my parents and their, their group, like I see that there's always a good reason not to do something. Sometimes you just got to take the plunge and go do it. Yeah. So there's two things in that mental battle you're talking about. One was you had to prioritize and decide. And I can't believe you skipped the parties on Friday night. Why the hell were you working on Friday night? I went out every Friday and Saturday night for four straight years at one of the top universities in the United States. So that was a mistake. You should have gone out. So you prioritize work during the daylight hours. You prioritize doing the calls you had to do in the evening hours. You prioritize studying because you knew you wanted to be where you wanted to be in 10 years. And you knew drinking more beer out of the beer bong or uh, watching some extra TV with your buddies or taking an extra nap, although naps are awesome, uh, wasn't going to get you there. So you're prioritizing and deciding and coming up with a balance that's not way over on the too much fun. I'm in college. I have to have fun. This is my only four years to have fun. Yeah, college is your only four years to have fun if all you do is have fun in college because you're going to have a miserable work life. But if you balance some fun, some work, some school relationships, you'll be able to have fun for your entire life. So first thing you're doing is you're prioritizing, you're making decisions. And then second thing, you're focusing on the positive again. You've got 7,000 negative thoughts going through your head every day. You've got 7,000 Instagram messages telling you everybody's life's better every day. You've got friends that tell you that you're not good enough, smart enough, fast enough, cute enough, whatever it is. And you're looking through all that crap to find the positive and to find the nuggets of growth. And so you have this mental battle. How can I do this? And then after you did it, you don't have the mental battle anymore. You've proven it to yourself. But then unfortunately, since you're doing the college works gig, first you got to figure out marketing, which is hard. Get the leads. Then you got to figure out how to get the leads to turn into estimates, which they all should and they don't. Then you got to figure out sales, which for me was horrible because everybody said no and I felt like such a failure. And I had to look for the lessons in those failures. I had to look for the good and the no. The road to yes is paid with no. And then all of a sudden, you got to go hire a bunch of people to work for you and manage them and some more problems pop up. And I'm sure you had some of those sleepless nights. So what did you gain out of your biggest problem this summer that you were an intern at College Works? I think the biggest thing that I took out of it and like one specific I had was just communication. Couple of different scenarios to say that, you know, I, I my intern year, I think I had 27 or 28 clients. Every single client was happy by the end of my experience. Now I can remember one specific client I was working with he was, uh, you know, in terms of the job that I was doing, I told him when I signed the contract, I said, if you are not happy with the work I can deliver, I will get somebody else to come out and do it. And I stuck to my word. Uh, he wasn't happy with the work that I did on the project. That was the only upside client I had the entire year. And we ended up finding a different crew to finish the job. And I stuck to it, though. I paid that, you know, I, I made sure that the guy was compensated for the new crew that was working on it. Um, and then at the end, I still ended up getting a reference letter from the client. So... I think the biggest piece of advice or takeaway that I took from that is like communication is key and it's okay if not everything goes correctly. Not every single experience you have, every client you work with, every, you know, every person you work with is going to be rainbows and butterflies. Uh, there's going to be some areas where you have to have some tough decisions, but 
I feel that I executed it well and I used my communication skills that I learned through this program to help me be able to make those decisions. Yeah, integrity is hard. Do what you say, how you say, when you say. That's hard. So all of a sudden you get a big roadblock and you had your word. Keeping your word is hard. It's easier to lie. It's easier to not do what you say. It's easier to go to bed early. It's easier to give up on your commitments. It's easier to flake on your friends. But you decided I'm going to stick to my word and I've got a tough situation. And you probably learned some lessons about how you could make that situation better and what you did wrong. And I always say if an airplane crashed in my house today, instead of being pissed at the airline, I'd wonder why I didn't move yesterday because I have control over that. So you're looking for what you control. You're getting your lessons. But most importantly, it's tough to face the music. It's tough to swallow your pride. It's tough to call up and have somebody chew you out or whatever happened with this different customer. And what do you get out of that? What did you take away from that that you're still using today? I realized that most people like are like, if you communicate with them or you let them know what's going on, keeping them in the loop and not lying and being deceitful, like they're willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Any experience I've had, you know, specifically working here, you know, just being honest with them. I, I told that one client and I said, look, like, I'm sorry you are unhappy with the job. And I stuck to it. I said, I'm going to get a different crowd here. It's going to take a couple of weeks. But what did I take out of that? I use that in my you know, time today. Um, if I, you know, there was a specific weekend that I was supposed to go up to Chicago and area um, with my family and I totally double booked it for something for work. And I had to go to a work event that weekend. You know, I just called them up a few days before and I told them I was genuinely sorry for it. I could have lied to them and said something else come up. I could have, you know, made any other excuse. I just told them the truth. I know telling the truth and swallowing your pride or integrity, like that's hard to do. But in doing so, I feel that like all of my relationships professionally, personally uh, have greatly benefited from it. All right. So you take the most difficult client situation that you had. And you learn that swallowing your pride is not the end of the world. You learn that sometimes having fierce conversations, which is a book by Susan Scott, I recommend fierce conversations by Susan Scott. You have the conversation directly and you gain the knowledge of having great conversations. You gain the knowledge um, of how to improve your relationships later. And there's one another another example of finding the positive in the negative. Now, maybe not at the time, because it takes some practice. Maybe at the time you're upset, but you pause and look back. So if you're upset right now at something, stop, think, what can you learn from it? I remember I lost all my money once and then some, and everything fell apart. And I look at it as my MBA, it cost a lot more money than an MBA, but digging out of that, all the lessons, we had too many businesses that didn't relate to each other and trying too many things. And I learned so many things. It saved me from many, many more losses. One of the worst times of my life, but I got something great out of it. This was one of the worst times of just your first year in business, but you get something out of it. And then you went on to be a district manager and then you went on to be a VP. And I know you're young and I know you're a VP now. And I know that you've got a lot of people working for you, probably more employees than anybody you know. You probably work harder than anybody you know. You probably have kind of work challenges that are high, higher and bigger than anybody you know. Did you expect that you'd be where you're at at this young age? 
I don't think I necessarily expected to be this level of success. I, you know, I expected to be above average, but no, I, I did not expect to be at this specific level and, you know, specifically this young. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I expected to have this level of success at some point, not necessarily this young. And if you dream big and you put your money where your mouth is, as you say, you strive, you dream big, you're developing the skills and you're striving. If you're consistently looking to stand out in high school and then college and then after college, if you're focused on quantity and quality, you might surprise yourself and get there early. I had this uh, this mentor before. He said, don't break things down into years. Just set your goal. Figure out what you need to change to get there. Think about that. Set your goal. What do you need to change to get there? And you'll get there early. Twenty two thousand five hundred. What is that number? Do you know, Joe? Do I know what that number means? 22,500. Do you know why that number is unique to you? I don't. Well, 22,500 people had to be interviewed for you to be the one that became a VP. Why is that? 15 people interviewed per person that gets hired at CollegeWorks. 30 people that are interned to get one DM. 50 DMs to get one VP. It took 22,500 interviews. Some of them worked with us. Some of them were promoted, but only one of them became a VP. So out of 22,500 people, you'd strive more. You'd executed more. You'd been more positive. You'd found the lessons. There was, what would that be? 7,000 interns that you worked with. And some of them went off and did great things in other companies, but not all of them succeeded to the level you did because maybe they couldn't find that positive. They couldn't find that lesson. They couldn't dig out. And then you end up with the big job at such a young age. You end up with a job that most people never get in their entire life before you're 30 years old because of all this stuff you're talking about, finding the positive, striving. So you're a little bit surprised where you are. When you're younger, you had to do a lot of things that, you know, probably at the time seemed, oh, gosh, I don't want to do it. So what sacrifices did you make when you're young, when you were young that you'll never regret? I think it's a, like going in, starting from high school through college. I mean, I don't regret, um, you know, going, being involved as much as I did. I mean, specifically like with debate and scouting, uh, those were a lot of long years that I was involved with it. I mean, kind of to touch on, you were talking about the scouting, I think less than 3% of scouts start going on to get their Eagle scouts. And you know, that was something that was very, very important to me. In college, I made a ton of sacrifices in terms of my time being spent. I gave up you know, virtually almost every weekend to be able to perform my you know, responsibilities here at CollegeWorks from you know, being an intern to a district manager and general manager all throughout my four years in college. Um, but looking back years later, I don't regret it at all. I'm 24 years old. I'm financially independent. I paid off all my student loans. I have the ability to do what I want to, you know, now because I got started so early. So if you can take anything from that, it's like time does really factor in terms of success, getting started early, investing early, you know, pick any topic. I feel that's what I did. I invested myself in my future and that's why I'm in the position I am today. I didn't know you were 24. Um, (laughs) That's a, that's a little bit of a shock to me. So uh, now that you're the ripe old age of 24 and you've already accomplished what many people hope to accomplish at some point in their life, what are you doing to stay ahead? 
what am I doing to stay ahead? Um, I'm taking on every challenge I possibly can. So, I mean, specifically being a vice president here, I could go off and be doing other things, maybe making similar money, less money. That's not the biggest thing, but you know, I, I'm probably working 40 to 60 hours on an average week working with college age students, but I'm in a position where I'm able to manage people. I'm also trying to get ahead in terms of my education. You know, I, I try and read books when I can, try and listen to as many podcasts I listen to, try and, you know, get as much helpful tips. Um, obviously, Matt, I love our conversations you and I have, you know, business-wise, I try and talk to as many, you know, individuals that have been in business longer than me, because I realize I've only been in business five or six years at this point. I have a long way to go, and you can always learn from other people's experiences, whether positive or negative. All right. So yesterday, I... Uh was uh, with this guy, Palmer Lucky, that invented Oculus. And he was talking about how much he hates Facebook. And he said, uh, you know, it's great to have a chip on my shoulder. He sold his business to Facebook, got literally billions of dollars. And he got fired from Facebook for uh, donating money to the worst presidential campaign in the history of the world. And I won't I won't mention who, but uh, they fired him for Facebook because he donated nine grand to this presidential campaign and he hates them with a passion. And he said, a chip on the shoulder is a wonderful motivator. And this guy, Craig, that was there and was kind of interviewing him said, Hey, when I hire people, I'm looking for people that are pissed and have a chip on their shoulder because I know they're going to be the best employees, which I've said it a few times, many successful people are running away from something. They don't want to be like their parents or they don't want to be in whatever experience they were in before, or they don't want to be like someone and they got a chip on their shoulder. Um, and I like to find little chips on my shoulder, too. But I come from a wonderful family, very supportive, supportive brother, supportive in-laws, supportive parents. And you've come from a very supportive family. I want to do a quick shout out. What are your parents names? Bill and Mary Lou. Bill and Mary Lou. What is the best thing about Bill and Mary Lou? What was the, if you think of one, the best thing about them and the one thing they did to get you to strive for excellence that maybe they don't even know they did. They just supported me with anything I ever did. I mean, I remember I would, you know, my mom would always say I take on, you know, put too much on my plate or, you know, would uh, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. She used to always tell me whether that was eating food or, you know, taking on things responsibility wise, work wise or with school. Um, but they supported me with everything that I did. If I struggled and failed, my mom was there to have a conversation with me, right? If in my wins, my dad was always there to support me. Um, I, they, they let me do what I wanted to do. They didn't, you know, they didn't tell me the exact path I had to made and they supported me. They were, they supported me every step of the way. Um, and I, I couldn't have asked for a, a better foundation, um, you know, from my parents. So Mary Lou might have taught you through life, through those conversations, how to find the good and the bad, right? Absolutely. Every time you failed, she's sitting there. Hey, let's talk about it. We have a little conversation and boom, you find out it's not the end of the world. So she taught you perspective. You find out you can do it again. She taught you hard work and you find out, oh, I got something out of that, even though it was miserable. And Bill taught you how to celebrate your successes, which is equally as important, right? Yep. Well, shout out to Bill and Mary Lou. I spent a lot of time with your son. I love the guy. Actually, just in this podcast, I've learned to be more positive. Thank you, Mary Lou. Just in this podcast, I learned that we need to celebrate a little bit more. Thank you, Bill. And I really appreciate people that adopt people. And I would love to have a foster kid one day. I've been working on my wife. 
Uh, she's kind of done with the whole raising kid things, but a lot of respect, a lot of good things are said about Bill and Mary Lou behind their backs. And it's wonderful. If that's your legacy, people are talking about you behind your back and Joe Norwell. Thank you for making time to come on the edge of excellence, to share all your insight, to share all your lessons and share your progress through striving and gaining skills to become excellent. Matt, thank you very much for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what I can see in the future. And I thank you for a lot of success that I've had so far. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.